Turn in your Bibles to Romans 10. We're continuing this. We're looking at hard passages, and we said they're hard for several reasons. Some is it's just hard to know what they're saying. But when you like the first John 3 passage, well, whoever's born of God cannot sin. That, the people look at that and go, I don't know what that means. And then they're hard because it seems to say that maybe it's more than faith for salvation. You've got to do something else. Who knows? And uh, like you've fallen from grace and you could lose your salvation or something. One of the things are things we know is true, two truths, that salvation is a gift. It is not a work. It's simply faith alone and Christ alone. And that salvation is forever. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. And eternal life means eternal life and it lasts forever. So those are great truths. Well, this morning, I think we're going to look at a passage that has been so misused. Most of you have heard of the Romans road. People talk about the Romans road. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10. 9 and 10. People use those verses together for a salvation message. We'll talk more about that. But it it says something like this. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, if you call upon the Lord, you will be saved. What in the world does all that mean? How does it all fit? How does it fit together? How does it work? And is this a great place to go to share your faith? Or should you go to John 3, 16 that says, whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Eternal life. So we'll talk about it because a lot of people have used this or had talked about this in the past, and it's a really confusing verse. And let me just be honest with you. I've probably heard uh, at least four to five different ways to try to interpret this passage. And I'm going to show you the way that I look at it, the way I think how it fits, and I think it fits that way best on the context, and I think that's what we always do whenever you study a passage, always see what the context is. So as we start, uh, the grace message is often confused because it's not works. We realize that a lot of people talk about, you know, saved by grace through faith, and then they add works to it. And, you know, they'll say, salvation is a gift from God, so repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, make him Lord of your life, walk down an aisle, make a public profession, get baptized, and you'll be saved. So they just added a bunch of works to it. Think about the verses like Galatians 2.16, knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8.9, by grace you are saved through faith. Romans 4.5, but him who does not work but believes. Romans 11.6, grace is not works, or otherwise grace is no longer grace. I mean, so those are verses that we see over and over and over again that talk about it. Well, uh, so what, what, uh, what is this Romans 10, 9, and 10? Let me just read it for you. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So that's two verses. And what it almost looks like you have to do is you have to say something with your mouth and you have to believe it and then you get saved. It's a two-step thing. And that's why a lot of people say you need to make a public profession and come down. And, I, and so we're going to say, what does this verse mean and how does it fit? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four things. We're going to look at the outline of the book of Romans. Where does this fit? We're going to talk about the, word, where, uh, the meaning of the word salvation. What does it mean? Then we're going to talk about Israel and salvation. And then we'll look at the passage of Romans 10, 9, and 10, but it goes a little further. We have to go all the way through verse 14. You have to look at the context. You just can't do those two verses, and and we'll see how all that fits. So let's start with the outline of the book of Romans. Romans... Uh, Romans chapter 10 falls in a section of the book of Romans. And when you think about the book of Romans, just remember this. The book of Romans were written to believers who are in the church in Rome. And so, in fact, all of the letters, when you think about it, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written to particular people. Uh, Acts was written to believers. Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all those letters were written to believers. The only book in the New Testament that was written to unbelievers is the Gospel of John. 
It was written so that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ and by believing that have eternal life. So the book of Romans is one of the great books of all time. It's, I, we used to call it the, the theology of God. That's what it was because it has so much in it. Let me give you an outline. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 talk about there's a need for salvation. All are sinners. Chapters 3 and 4 say you're saved by grace through faith. Chapter 5 shows the results of salvation. You have peace with God. Chapter 6 shows our identification in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Chapter 7 talks about the conflict in the Christian life. That's where Paul says, things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Chapter 8, he gives security that there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's chapter 8. And then in chapter 9, he actually talks about the nation of Israel in three chapters. Israel past, present, and future. And then in chapters 12 through 16, he gets into the Christian life, the offer of the Christian life and, and how you live and those kind of things, how you offer your life and, and that. And if you notice that the whole salvation message of Romans is found back in chapters 3 and 4. It's not found in Romans chapter 10. We'll talk about what is there. When you look at Romans 9, 10, and 11, it deals with Israel. Romans 9, Israel in the past. Romans 10, Israel in the present. Romans 11, Israel in the future. That's how it fits. And you need to know that because you can't just pull verses out and say, oh yeah, this means this. And because people will say Romans 3.23, of all the sin and come short of the glory of God, that's fine. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus Christ, that's really dealing with a Christian life passage. And we don't always understand that. Romans 5.8, he does say, God demonstrates love toward us while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. But then you get into Romans 10. Romans 10 is dealing with the nation of Israel. Is that the salvation message? Well, how does it work? And so we're going to see it. So the first thing we saw is that basically how the book of Romans fits together. The second is let's talk about the meaning of the word salvation. We have seen this over and over again. The Greek word for salvation for the verb is called sozo. It means I save. And then there's a word soterion, which has the word for salvation. And so here we have a word, and just like us, we say salvation. And you could say, are you saved? Well, when we say that, sometimes people automatically say, are you saved? Meaning, do you have eternal life because you believed in Christ? But when the Bible uses saved, the word saved can mean a lot of things. It can mean saved from an enemy. It can be you were in a hole and somebody saved your life and pulled you out. When, Jesus, when Jesus, uh, Peter was walking on the water and began to sink, what did he say to Jesus? Lord, save me. Okay, he wasn't talking about eternal life salvation. And there's places in the Bible that talk about eternal life salvation when they say, say, by grace you have been saved through faith. There's other places we're talking about the Christian life salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not talking about eternal life salvation. So whenever you see the word salvation, it can mean a lot of things. But here's the, let's just work for our study in this passage. We're going to look at two things. The word salvation can have an idea of a physical deliverance, saved from an enemy, get pulled out of something, somehow a physical salvation. And then the word salvation can also mean deliverance in the sense of an eternal aspect, eternal life salvation. So, let's just say this. If I said the word saved, we, in this passage we're talking about, it could mean eternal life salvation or it could mean a physical deliverance. Okay, do you got that? Does everybody understand that? Okay, so that's how I want you to see it. Like Acts 16, 31. And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be what? Saved. What was he talking about? Eternal life salvation. Second Samuel, look at this one. And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord. In the day the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And look what he says. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am what? 
saved from our enemies. Is that talking about to call upon the Lord there? Was that for eternal life salvation or to be saved from an enemy? Enemy. And so, listen, I'm going to throw something out that you may have never heard before. There's 58 places in the Bible that I will call upon the Lord or I call on the Lord. They're used 58 times, never for salvation, always for the physical deliverance, and always from a believer calling out to God. I want you to understand that. Calling on the name of the Lord is not for salvation. It is always used for some kind of physical deliverance. Go look up every, go find the Bible, look up, call on the name, call upon the name of the Lord, call on his name, and look up all the places, there are like 58 of them, and find out what the context is. What if you read that and said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved, and you stopped. I'll call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'll be saved. You could think that's eternal life salvation. You think, but it's David, and he's talking about saved from my what? Enemies. And then if you go further back, it says, this is when David was running from Saul. So, Every place you see, call upon the name of the Lord or call on the Lord or, let me say this, confess with your mouth, you're going to find that this has an idea of physical deliverance. We'll see it. We'll see it in this passage here in just a second. I just want to kind of help you think through that. So let me go back again. Here is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's eternal life salvation. Here's calling upon the Lord and I'm saved from my enemies. That's a physical deliverance. I just want you to see that. So let's now go to Israel and salvation. We're going to see that God wants Israel saved for eternal life salvation, but he also wants them saved from a physical deliverance. In the tribulation... Who's being persecuted? Nation of Israel. Where did the 144,000 come from? Where did the two witnesses come from? Who's running for their lives at the end? Israel. They will call upon the name of the Lord to be what? Saved. Eternal life salvation? No. Physical deliverance. We'll see. We'll see something. Okay? So just keep watching. So there's an aspect of an eternal life salvation saved and a physical deliverance saved. Saved eternal life is always what? It's believe. Saved physical deliverance is to call upon the name of the Lord or to confess him. Okay? All right. Let's keep going. Let me give you some more examples. Genesis 15:6. Abraham what? Believed God. That's eternal life salvation. New Testament, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what? Believes. That's eternal life salvation. But in 2 Samuel and in Psalm 18, 3, you're calling upon the name of the Lord to be delivered from a what? From an enemy. Some kind of physical deliverance. Now, we said Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 is dealing with who? Israel, get this, the context in the passage of Romans 10, 9 and 10 is dealing with Israel. I want you to go back to Romans chapter 10, look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and, and my prayer to God for the um, for the Israel is what? Is for their what? Which salvation? Well, guess what? Both. He wants them to believe in Christ for eternal life, but he wants them to have physical deliverance from their enemy. You understand that? Right? Do you get it now? Because if you don't get this, you're gonna, it's not going to make sense. God, Paul is saying, I want my people saved. Not only saved eternally, but saved from the enemy. 
Because from the beginning of the time that God chose Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to all the way down, the nation of Israel has always been persecuted by Satan. Our passage on Sunday morning, this morning in Revelation chapter 12, the baby is about to be born, the woman is Israel, and who's coming to devour? Satan. He wants to destroy Israel and he wants to destroy the Messiah. It's always the way it's been. So watch what happens. He says, I, I want them to be saved. He wants them to have not only eternal life salvation, he wants them to uh, have physical deliverance. Now look at verse 8. Here's, this is kind of a, a key. Look what he says. Oh, let me, let me go back here. Okay, look at verse 8. What does it say? Because he's talking about salvation. The word is near. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of what? Faith, which we're preaching to. He's talking about how do, how do you get saved? How do you get, it's, 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 there, it's the word. Now watch verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, that would be what? Calling upon the name of the Lord, right? Yes, yes or no, do you think? Okay. And then what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's what kind of belief? What is that? What kind of salvation is that? eternal life. What does he end the verse by saying? You will be saved. If you confess through your mouth, physical deliverance, and believe in your heart, that's your mind, believe you get eternal life, you will be saved. What salvation? Huh? Well, what about that one? He's given both salvations. Do you understand? He's telling them, if you'll confess through your mouth, you'll be physically delivered. If you believe in your heart, you'll have eternal life. That's what he's dealing with the nation of Israel. Because at this time when Paul wrote this, what as a whole was the nation of Israel doing? Were they rejecting God or believing in God? At the time Paul wrote this, they were rejecting. What's about to happen to the nation of Israel? The Romans are about to come in and destroy the temple and the city. Physical judgment is about to come upon them. And he wants them, as he says back in verse 1, I want them to be saved. He wants them to be saved in both ways. Now watch this. If you confess with your mouth, that is to call upon the name of the Lord, then and believe in your heart you will be saved. Which salvation? Say it. Say it. Both. Think, don't be afraid to say it. If you confess through your mouth, Paul, the name of the Lord, what kind of salvation is it? Physical. If you believe in your heart, what kind of salvation is it? I want to show you that when we're through with this verse, you will see there are two salvations in the passage. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the head start because you don't see it till verse 14. So I just, I'm just giving you the, 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 big, the big move, okay? So look what he says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that's calling upon the name of the Lord. And then you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For look at, let me, let me put it right this way. There's both salvations there. Confessing equals what kind of salvation? Physical deliverance. Believing equals what kind of salvation? Eternal life. Isn't that true? How do you have eternal life salvation? What do you do? You believe. You believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. How do you get delivered from an enemy? You call upon the name of the Lord. I told you, every time call upon the name of the Lord or call on the Lord or confess is used in the scripture. It's always of a believer, not an unbeliever, and it's always to deal with an enemy or some kind of, of, of physical deliverance. Do you understand that? So, so when you look at a verse, you've got to say, how is this verse used? What does it mean? Like now, watch this. We get to verse 10. Look how he explains it. 
For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in what? What kind of salvation is that? That's eternal life salvation. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. What kind of salvation? What kind? Physical deliverance. He gives them both right there in that verse. Do you see it? I hope you do. Now listen, if you don't get it, that's okay. Just, you know, just study it on your own and keep digging it. I'm showing you how this fits because we're not through yet. And I think you'll see it when it ends. Now, watch this. He's going to explain it. But with the mouth, you confess, call upon the Lord. That's a physical deliverance. So believing is eternal life and calling is deliverance. And then he says in verse 11, watch. For the scripture says, whoever believes, what's that? What's that? What kind of salvation? Eternal life. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame or disappointed. That means you, what, do you, what happens when you believe? What do you get? Eternal life salvation. Look, whoever believes, you're not disappointed. That's eternal life salvation because God does what he says. Then he says, hey, there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks. For the Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Anybody can call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What kind of salvation is that? That's a physical deliverance. Now, you could say to me, how do you know this? We've seen the flow. I think we do. But look at the next verse. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Which comes first? How can you call on him if you have not already what? Believed. Which comes first? Believing comes first. You believe and have eternal life. And then you can call on him for what? Deliverance. Is, is it true for the nation of Israel? What's going to happen in the tribulation? 144,000 Jews in the first three and a half years. Two witnesses in the second three and a half years. Many Jewish people will believe. When the abomination desolation happens at halfway through, God says, Jews, flee for your life. Run as fast as you can. And what, and what happens at the end when the nation of Israel believes in Christ? What do they do? They call upon the name of the Lord. And who comes? Who comes? Jesus comes. That's the second coming. This is what he's really talking about. Now, so for Jewish people, they believe as a nation. They call upon the Lord. Jesus comes as the king. What about you? You have believed, right? Can you call upon the name of the Lord? Of course you can. In fact, he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you go and look at Joel chapter 2, that's a quote from Joel chapter 2. He's talking about the nation of Israel calling on the Lord and being delivered from an enemy. So just remember, whenever you see, call upon the Lord or confess with your mouth and all that. So how can they call physical deliverance in whom they have not believed? It's eternal life. So which comes first? You have to believe before you can call. See, they're saying, you call out to the Lord and he will save you. Well, it's true, but, that's, but they're saying, he, you call out to the Lord, he gives you eternal life. No, no, no. You believe, then you can call. Calling is always physical deliverance or some kind of deliverance. Okay, does this make sense? Watch this. So which comes first? Believing, eternal life, and then what? Calling for physical deliverance. There are two aspects of salvation, a physical deliverance and an eternal life. That's how it fits together. So 
Distinction. Calling upon the name of the Lord, confessing with your mouth is a physical deliverance. Believing in your heart, faith, and righteousness is eternal life salvation. That's the best way to describe the passage. If not, if you want to say it in another way and you want to say that you've got to publicly call out Jesus in order to be saved. You've got to say it with your mouth. It can't be you just think it. This is what this passage says, because this is calling upon the name of the Lord being to be delivered. And so this passage is not saying, this is how you get saved. It's two steps. You call and you believe. No, no, no. Believing comes first, and then what? Calling. Okay, does this make sense? Okay, let me, let me give you the end, and then we'll open up for questions, and then we'll turn it over to all the rest of your teachers in these classrooms and see how that goes. But anyway, that's, okay, so let's understand the flow of the book of Romans. Think about it. Understand the flow. There are different sections, and Romans 9, 10, and 11 is dealing with Israel, Israel in the past, Israel in the present, Israel in the future. By the way, if you look at Romans chapter 11, guess what happens in Romans chapter 11? He actually says, all Israel will be what? Saved. And he's talking about a dual aspect there. There's a nation that's going to turn to God and believe in him, and then they're going to be saved how? Physically when Jesus comes. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 11. So it fits with the book of Revelation. So understand, understand the meaning of calling upon the name of the Lord. What does it mean? What does it mean to confess him and call upon him as Lord? What does it mean? And you're calling upon him to do what? To deliver you in some way from something. What does it mean to believe in your heart or to believe? It has the idea of eternal life salvation, that you're believing for righteousness. It's actually, this is Paul. Paul always talks about righteousness. And when he says this, he says, uh, with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. You get God's righteousness. Third, be ready the best you can to explain Romans 10, 9, and 10. I think it's the hardest one. There are people who are taught all their lives that you've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God demonstrates his own love toward us while we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. So you need to call upon the name of the Lord and then make him, make, basically make him Lord. Whoever confesses that Jesus, and most people translate that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't really say that in the Greek at all. It says is if you confess, Je if you confess Jesus. And actually, if it says, if you confess Lord Jesus, that's all it says. It doesn't say Jesus is Lord. It says, if you confess Lord Jesus, that's all it says. So the people have taken those verses for years, and they actually tell people, the way you get saved is you've got to make a public confession. You've got to come down to the front. You've got to do something. You've got to call on God, and he will save you. You can call on God, and he will save you, but it's a physical deliverance. You can believe in your heart then that's your mind, that Jesus is the one that gives you eternal life and you are saved forever. Okay, let me stop. I think that was the last. Okay, how about questions? Uh, well, in Romans, the, the heart is talking about the mind for eternal life salvation and the speaking is talking about a physical right, deliverance. Saying, Put them together. I think, and that's a possibility. He's just saying that go back in the, what, Proverbs was one, four? Or no? I don't know. Okay. So he, he doesn't know the Bible. He, yeah. No, he does. He does. You know, somewhere someone has said in the scripture, but it's true. And that, that's a possibility of why he's doing that. What, what we really get, when you look at Paul's letter, I mean, he's writing to Gentiles. But when you get to chapter 8, 
He's just talked about the spiritual battle and everything, and then he gets to chapter 8, and he says, nope, you know, you'll never be condemned. He gets to the end and says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And he stops there. And if he stopped there, a Gentile could say, you just told me I'm secure forever. But what happened to Israel? They were your people. They were God's people. And now they've been rejected. That's what some people could say. And Paul says, no, wait a minute, no, no. God hasn't rejected his people. In fact, chapter 9, how does it start? I'm Jewish. God hasn't rejected his people. And so in chapter 9, he says, God has never rejected his people. Chapter 10, he says, they need to call upon the name of the Lord and be delivered from their enemies. And chapter 11 says, they will. So I think that really 9, 10, and 11, dealing with, it, with the nation of Israel and their past, present, and future is to show eternal security to the Gentiles because God is not through with Israel. That's because they could say, well, you say to me, I got eternal life, but God got rid of Israel. And he said, no, 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 God didn't get rid of Israel. He's not through with them. So possible that he's going back to the proverb to bring those two together. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not making the, my, my big deal is confessing just means to be delivered. But some people say confessing is you have to publicly confess him in order to be saved. And we know that's not true. So great point. Good stuff. His question was, why is Paul dealing with confessing and believing? Is he, is he going back to one of the Proverbs where it talks, out of the mind, the mouth speaks? That's what he was saying. And we're saying, why did Paul put those two together? It, when, this is a great question. He says, whoever, Jesus says, whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess him in heaven. That's not an eternal life salvation. That's a rewards that's a rewards passage. He's not saying you confess me and you get saved and I'll confess you before the Father and I'll say these are saved people. This is confession. is The discipleship issue is whoever will confess me before people, stand for me, live for me, then I will confess and give them rewards. I think it's a rewards passage. And I know a lot of people get confused when they see something like that. Uh, but that's, that's a rewards passage. And that's why you got to be careful because when you see rewards passages... Uh, some people, because you can lose rewards, and when people see the idea of not getting rewards or something, they think it means loss of salvation. And we know that eternal life can never end, but, but you may or may not get rewards.